This is a crypto finance podcast. We are holding internal knowledge sessions and publish selected episodes to share our know-how and experience with you. Hello, thank you for coming. Today's knowledge session is in short about gaming and especially about gaming on the blockchain. How blockchain gaming makes sense, what blockchain gaming is, is there industry for it? Yeah, how does it work? Uh, you've for sure heard about a DAP. Can somebody tell me what a DAP is? Yes. Decentralized application. Exactly, a decentralized application. And what does running, that mean? Running on a Ethereum blockchain. Mm -hmm. For example, Ethereum. Um, could you specify what running an application decentralized means or what, is it, what it implies? Yeah, that it's not like hosted on a server locally, mm -hmm. decentralized in the network. Yeah, very good. There are a lot of applications already running on different chains. One of the more popular ones that you would probably not even guess that there are dApps is MakerDAO, for example. DAO is in the name Decentralized Autonomous Organization, so it's essentially a company that's living on the chain and doing things that you giving your outputs depending on the on the, on the things that you feed it in. Um, but also networks like Zero X, Kyber Network, Basic Attention Token, which is the the browser token of the Brave browser. So instead of for for watching app uh, for watching ads, you receive uh, Basic Attention Tokens. IDEX, it's an exchange. It's a decentralized exchange. You can make an offer that you sell your whatever, your Levin token for um, X or Y amounts of, of Ether. And somebody can then uh, say, yes, I take this. And due to the smart contract that IDEX uh, deployed, the trade is then facilitated. So this is also a decentralized application. If you look at the graph that I put in front of you, uh, you can see the new depths per month on the violets chart. It peaked around the end of 2018, where around about 160 depths were launched uh, each month. And then it declined the new depth development quite, quite fast. And in June 19, so six months ago, it was only 45 depths per month. And right now we're about uh, the same level between 50 and 60, I would say. Um, new depths that are being developed every month. And on the right side, you see the total depths. Uh, right now we're around 3,200, 300 total depths deployed over multiple networks not only Ethereum. However, this number is also including um, abandoned dApps, such as FOMO 3D or multiple Ponzi schemes, um, or other illicit dApps that actually just try to, to steal off money of you. And very interestingly, if you look in which category the dApps fall, you can see that since inception of State of the Depths, the chart starts in January 18. You can see the orange section, it's games, and it's 
since all the time actually staying rather constant um, the amount of depictivity by games a few other major categories are of course exchanges financial debts then uh, cross chain applications such as Xerox or and that's quite obvious because it was also the very first blockchain or one of the very first blockchain applications ever um, but we don't talk about gambling today gaming is not gambling if you've listened to all the examples so far I've not mentioned a single game partially on purpose but also partially because um, activity wise it very much depends on the hype what happens on chain this has very specific reasons and the reasons are resources of the blockchain and now a question to you again do you think it's feasible to put full games on the blockchain what would it require what does it mean to actually have a game running on chain do you know a game on chain so what it requires is uh, to have the full game on um, on the chain requires that the full state of the game is on the chain at every point in time which mm -hmm. is extremely slow games uh, with extremely few interactions but something like say poker might be possible and there are implementations of that mm -hmm. or tic-tac-toe mm -hmm. exactly very simple ones like tic-tac-toe poker poker then also depends on if you do the um, calculation of the hands in the smart contract or on chain or if this is somewhat excluded and you only uh, have the hands but poker might be possible actually yeah. you for sure heard of CryptoKitties it's a game it's a very very simple one you collect stuff you breed them together and uh, you hope that you get a better kitty outside your initial first than, than, than before somewhat is a very simple one a collectibles game so maybe not the very best example but implementing games on chain has a future despite that it's currently not yet possible to use the blockchains to have full games on the chain because we have limitations such as the space per block available or simply transaction fee or what's called in EOS calculation fee how much RAM and how much CPU power and um, does it actually need to, to do certain aspects and to put that in perspective somebody tried implementing chess the, the traditional game on chain on ethereum and he wrote a solidity code to evaluate chess moves and afterwards he realized that it could not be done because the evaluation for figuring out if a king is in chessmate or stallmate is too intensive for the chain to handle. So the transaction is too big, respectively the smart contract was not able to actually resolve this problem because it was too complex. But back to relevance of gaming on chain, can you guess the revenue of the global gaming industry? I was quite surprised actually by but this. Not, not on-chain gaming. Not on-chain gaming, just general the gaming industry as it is now and as it exists. 50 billion? Somebody betting more or less? less? Bit less. Bit less. More. More? It's much more. 134 billion? 
Can you guess the global movie or music revenue? Less than billion. How much less? It's like 100 million. Okay, something else? Just know that the one movie which made the most money over weekends, and then did on the first couple of weekends that they made, is much less than Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's a 60 billion. Combined music and film is 50. The music industry alone is 43, and the music industry alone is 7.4 billion last year. So the gaming industry today is nearly three times as valuable as the whole traditional entertainment um, industry as we know it without gaming. So music and and uh, and movies. And now, somewhat fun fact, but also I think it's insanely interesting, which also leads us back to on-chain and why on-chain gaming has a future. Do you know what the highest grossing game was? last year? What's the most successful game of last year? On-chain? No. Close No. Fortnite? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you heard of Fortnite? Fortnite is a game set in one single world. It's a, it's a world, it's a one island, actually quite a small island. And 50 players are dropped on this island. And uh, there are different modes, but in one mode they have to... The last one who survives um, wins this round and the round takes about 15 minutes and the most curious part about this the game is free you can download it today on the phone on the computer you can play it you can play all week all month all the time and it is free still they made 2.4 billion dollars in 2018 1.8 billion last year It's the highest grossing game of all the games in the industry. And they did not sell a single copy of their game. So how did they make money? Can somebody think of a way? Play to win. No, absolutely not. Otherwise there would not be an eSports industry solely around Fortnite. So they organize events where pro Fortnite players, and I'm not joking, there are professional Fortnite players, Skins. fight against each other. and. And a beginner, a beginner Fortnite player who just downloaded the game and somebody who played for over 10 years, two years, the game is, has launched in 2017, sorry, is the very same. So character-wise or better weapons is not something that, that can be bought. So it's not a pay-to-win model. But Lydia already said it, skins. A skin is what your character looks like, what your weapon looks like. You can do dance moves in the game. If you, if you shoot somebody, you can do a special dance. If you um, see someone of your, of your teammates, you can make your character wave at him. All these things, there are a few of these presets, obviously, for everybody. But there are some of these moves uh, you have to buy. And this is usually called in-game skins. And Now you wonder, and this made them 2.4 billion? Yes and no, there are a few other aspects where how they make money. But in principle, yes, this is how they make money. So it's essentially, again, collectibles in a chain where you, as a character, impersonating the thing that you are online, uh, it's, it's of value of you to be unique. 
it's of value to you that the character that you play online on screen is somewhat your representation of your fantasy you. And if you think about all these assets that are being sold every day, maybe instead of a, a grey gun he has now a red one and another one with a rainbow on it and, uh, and whatever. All of these things are assets. This is an in-game asset that has also an in-game value. We talk about dApps and blockchain. What is blockchain very good at? Digital scarcity. <laughs> Digital scarcity. And storing value. Storing assets. And with this we also come back to CryptoKitties. The circle is closed. Because this is essentially everything CryptoKitties does. The niche opportunity for blockchain to fit in sectors of gaming where personalization and collectibles is part of the game or very important to, to the game. To name a few examples, there is something called Steam Monsters. It's probably like Pokemon, I haven't looked into it. Also because uh, all the websites are closed for research. <laughs> Why do I? Uh, Containment Corpse, which is very interesting in itself. It's a modern game. And everything they do with blockchain is just integrating somewhat like a market in a menu where you can buy special moves that contribute also to your... Let's say you can buy a gun. So actually affecting gameplay. Now if you were to imagine that this game actually blows up and there is an event, an esports event, and the main price of this event is some special gun. This special gun is unique and it actually has quite some value also to others. If you say, no, 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 this is unprecedented, there is no such thing as um, special versions of, of some card, then we just have to look at the collectible trading card games, such as Magic the Gathering. Or if you think about Pokemon trading cards, uh, you've probably all heard of them or even played with them in your youth. I've checked it before, the revenue of Magic the Gathering, these playing cards, was 2.45 billion last year, which is insane in itself. Uh, most of it probably profit because it's not, it doesn't cost a lot to print those. But um, also there is a market, and if they, if these uh, organizations organize a large event, and the price of this event is a unique original card of some sort. Wait 10 years and you will find this card for multiple ten thousands of dollars somewhere online on eBay or in some other um, collectors selling collection. Then there is the main reason why I'm actually doing this, this knowledge session today. It's a game called Gods Unchained. Gods Unchained was so successful on their launch date that the Ethereum chain nearly broke. Like it filled up all the blocks so quickly that the whole Ethereum network was nearly unavailable for, for, a, few, for a few hours. And the sole reason was this one game. Because so many people tried to interact with the smart contract and so many people filled transactions with data that is uh, connected to Gods Unchained. That it nearly killed the network. Again, a showcase that the current technology that we have, or the, the, the main one that we use for, for such steps, 
is not ready yet to handle large on-scale games. And by the way, in the very beginning of CryptoKitties, when it launched, for a few weeks, 70% of all transactions in Ethereum were CryptoKitty transactions for a few weeks. It spammed the network also so much that uh, there was nearly no space for actual Ether transactions or interactions with any other smart contract. Back to Gauss Unchained. Gauss Unchained flooded the, web the network quite a lot. Now you say, okay, what is Gauss Unchained? Gauss Unchained is essentially Hearthstone on the chain. Now you say, what is Hearthstone? Now I say, what is Hearthstone, of course. Hearthstone is, I would say, Magic the Gathering on the computer. It's, you have, you have cards, you have monsters, and you have spells, and you have different trading cards. Um, so assets, essentially, that are coming out of, of booster boxes. You buy seven cards for five francs, and if you're lucky, you get a golden card, which is super rare. And if you don't, you get a, a, a one one monster fly or something, a really weak monster. If you're lucky, maybe this one card is actually worth much more than you paid for the whole booster. People are making quite a business out of this as well. There's a, a second-hand market for selling Magic the Gathering cards, selling Pokemon cards, for, for being the market. And blockchain is tapping this potential and adding some more functionality in the form of real ownership and real asset ownership of digital values on the blockchain. And this is how gaming works on the blockchain. Editions? So, I mean, for, for me, uh, for a long time, the obvious question about uh, game assets on the blockchain is, came up quite early that, uh, that the comparison that Bitcoin is similar to World of Warcraft gold. Right? It's just some digital good where, yeah, people might pay money for that, but, um, but it's, it's somewhat not new, it's not significant. By diminishing Bitcoin through the comparison to World of Warcraft gold, uh, people mix up uh, even Bitcoin and uh, Linden dollars quite a lot. Does anybody still remember Linden dollars? Mm -hmm. Does the game still exist? Second Life uh, probably still exists. So th that was that was really stupid. Uh, their economic model it doesn't really matter much now. But um, somebody Taylor Swift, somebody of that type, uh, once even tweeted that. Um, that she regretted not taking the offer to perform for a thousand Bitcoin. Right? Where it then turned out she never had such an offer. Um, she had an offer to perform for a thousand Linden dollars, which is probably a good idea to not perform for that. Whatever. Um, so the, these comparisons, finding that comes from time to time. And um, I mean the, the obvious difference is Bitcoin is something that you can actually own while World of Warcraft gold is an entry in a database at Blizzard. At the same time, say having a blockchain that is dedicated to, to maintaining World of Warcraft gold would also be stupid because the only place where you can use that, the only place where you where that thing does have a value is inside World of Warcraft. So if, if there is one single party, Blizzard, that can decide to honor or not honor uh, the promise that this World of Warcraft gold uh, like World of Warcraft on-chain gold represents, 
then there is not really a benefit of having the gold itself on a decentralized ledger if it's centralized the way that you have to spend it. Right. So there, there, that's somewhat the, um, the, the problem that I still have. And there are a few nice approaches and a few not so nice approaches, but having collectibles on the chain only makes sense if uh, they are used in a decentralized way, which is the case for Gods Unchained, if I got it right, but it's not the case for, um, for, for, for other things where you, where you merely have the ownership of the card. Of the as, long, as long as the chain exists, the assets exist. And if you can play cards with these assets, then the provider or developer of Gods Unchained doesn't have to be around because somebody just needs to program an interface um, that makes it look nice. And anybody can do that with the assets available. Sure, but that's, I mean, I can, I can create a, an ERC20 token now, just generate, or an ERC721 or whatever. Uh, say, uh, here's a card. Um, this card is a scarce. Uh, it's just somebody needs to write a game around that. Like, that, that's not really how it works. Well, it works. That form that goes unchained, the company right now, is kickstarting it. Should they go bust, all their assets still exist. If the core fans really, really, really like it, this will happen. That somebody will make an interface in order to be able to still play his favorite game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm, I'm on the fence about this. Mm -hmm. Right, and these, um, I mean, to, to give another example, one that I'm more familiar with, Spells of Genesis. It's a, it's a trading card, like they, uh, they, they market it as a trading card game. Uh, it has very, very few interactions with the blockchain. It's, um, it's, a, game, it's a mobile game, uh, which is fairly simple, actually. But um, by playing that for a while, you get more powerful cards. You can combine four of them into one uh, whatever. Uh, and those you can then, with in-game, spending in-game gold-type assets that you also find in-game, you don't actually have to put up any, any additional money on top of what you can do in the game. You, you can create a blockchain card out of the card that you have in your mobile game. And if it's a blockchainized card, then you, you have that on the blockchain, you can send it to somebody else, then you don't have it anymore in the game, and that other person does have it. And so this really makes it like a, like a tradable card game. That's some of the idea about it. Uh, that card has so few blockchain interactions that it's actually running on Bitcoin and not on Ethereum. So that's a card where, um, or a, a game where the idea is then really to have like a community around these cards. And then also say, okay, if somebody else wants to, wants to write a different card game, he could use, reuse the same types of tokens. Right? So you can have one token, say, uh, the, most, the, the, the most useful card in this game is uh, Mages of Anonymity. Those, that, that card has a certain meaning, a certain function in that game, but somebody else would write another game where that card has, say, by, heart, by, 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 by character, by idea, a similar um, thing, but in this other game, obviously, a different reason. So everybody who does have rare, valuable cards on the first game might be incentivized to also play the second game where he has a kickstart of already owning valuable cards. You can't want cross-market scarce goods. So... I'm not sure if there is a market um, for that or not, right? And this this one goes into your direction where you say, uh, if you have these these things, then yes, you can make a nice looking interface. The nice looking interface in this case would actually be a totally 
difference and gain. Mm -hmm. You can um, you, you can attribute value to these things. In a similar way as when you play Magic the Gathering uh, with cards, uh, you, you, you typically, you know, once you have like, remotely valuable cards, you put, these, put them into these sleeves. So that you cannot uh, it's just black shielded sleeves, whatever. So there is no damage not done, but one of the nice things is also um, when you are the 10 year old kid and cannot um, afford the valuable cards, you could just put a put a piece of paper in and write black lotus on this piece of paper, right? So you, you cannot, you can just play with empty sleeves. Why don't people do that? Because it's not fair. Because it's not fair, right? So the the, the, the card, the, the, the token on the chain does not really have an underlying value the same way as the black lotus doesn't really have an underlying value. You can play the black lotus card without actually owning the Black Lotus card if your co-players agree that those are the rules, but nobody does. Black Lotus is the most valuable card in Magic the Gathering. <laughs> For context. <laughs> Three mana of any color by sacrificing a card. It's an artifact, it's uh, free to play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this I didn't know. <clears throat> but how do you know all these things? Do you play? Um, these games on, on, on chain or Levin, how do you know about this uh, Black Lotus? Have so, you played but that, that's Magic the Gathering, that's, that's not, magic, not on that's the chain. game that exists since 25 years? Yeah. And I, no, longer. No, longer, probably. Longer. Yeah, yeah. And I, I did play it when I was a teenager. Right? So that's, um, yeah. and I seem to have some memory, I did not know that. So, I know that because of that. I know about um, Spells of Genesis because that's a Geneva-based company that's somewhat involved in the uh, in the ecosystem here in, in Switzerland. I went to a meetup of theirs once in Zurich. Um, some nice guys, and they also somewhat market that to Bitcoin. There is the Satoshi card. There is uh, Satoshi Lite. There is just about everything. So there are. Uh, it caters to an audience of blockchain, and yes, I sometimes play that game still. If you want to see how it looks like or how these cards work, come by my desk. I can just show you on my mobile how this game works. It's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very, very simple game. So I think um, having valuables on the chain is... Um, valuable. Is valuable. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> and I, I find this very interesting. Because it has a f quite a lot of economic consequences. Let's just say, I mean, how do you store a black lotus? Probably in a safe somewhere in a bank, uh, bank vault. How do you store the Satoshi card? These uh, spells of Genesis Satoshi cards, which, which also goes for several thousand francs. How do you store that? How do you, how do you, what infrastructure exists? How do you, how do you deal with it? So that we are talking about the physical card. Magic, uh, the no, yeah. Well, we we are dealing in analogies. The magic, uh, the Magic the Gathering Black Lotus is a physical card. Right. The Satoshi card uh, of Spells of Genesis is is a, is a token. It's a counterparty token that lives on the Bitcoin blockchain, uh, and that thing goes for a few thousand bucks. Yeah, the one is safely stored in a in a safe hardware, and the other one probably. In fact, this this very interesting because it's um, because it's here now, 
Uh, everybody talks about yeah, shares will be on the blockchain, and there are there are it might be much faster than I anticipated just a few months ago um, that this actually comes to fruition. But on the other hand, this this will be like small experiments in the beginning. But uh, if you want to deal with digital valuables, um, if you want to experience the world that shares will be in a few years, if you want to experience that now, then actually collectibles is very interesting market to look at and a real market and a real market yes given the numbers of this industry and it's not something very far away or abstract because 150 billion dollars nearly is quite the number we, we've had multiple conversations with people in this company even when they just disregarded gaming like whatever this is for stupid nerds and there's no market as is movies, it is not. It's quite a market and it's growing constantly. This episode was brought to you by Crypto Finance. We are happy to receive comments and feedback. Email your thoughts to research at cryptofinance.ch.